This is a Wild Gate Production Podcast. Classic Phase Rip Podcast. We're at issue uh, number 26. We're in volume number three. I got it right this week, Matt, so be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's I'm Vince, your host, sitting alongside uh, my co-host, Matt. Hello, everyone. And joining us is a special guest host, Chris Tyner. Hey, Chris, what's going on? It's DJCP Tyner in the house. What's yes. up? He remembers that from way back in the first, <laughs> <laughs> the first uh, season. I was the first person that actually put a uh, a, a review on your podcast, and wow, um, you you mentioned me in the I think second or third episode. So I'm very greatly appreciative of that. We do thank you for that, absolutely. But now you're here as a guest host. Yeah, how about that? Comes full circle. Oh, now Tyner can settle the argument from the first episode: corporal or captain. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer Rear Admiral. Oh, there you go. Oh, <laughs> uh, if you're joining us on Facebook, don't forget to go to chat.restream.io slash FB so we can see your name. It's in the uh, show notes here on uh, YouTube uh, or in Facebook, too, as well, just so we can see your name. Otherwise, you're going to come up as Facebook user, so you're going to have to just put your name out there if you don't want to give your information, which I understand. But anyway, we are back with another episode of this uh, wonderful, lovely podcast live here on uh, YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, <laughs> and uh, somewhere out of uh, Facebook groups or something like that, all via Restream. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun time. The show has taken off into a new direction. And if you've not gone to Discord, we do have our own Phase Rip Discord yes. now with Hooray. a bunch of people. Like, there is so many people on there. There is so much activity. It's uh, amazing to see how many people were actually doing things. I mean, the uh, the uh, the UCP, the Uncanon uh, Project, is jumping too, but that was always just a small, small core group of people, yeah. very, very rabid small group of yeah. people, <laughs> which we appreciate that what they're doing and just cranking out wonderful things left and right. But it's nice to see that the community is active. Yeah. You saying something, Matt? Yeah, I mean, with, with the um, the Canon project, it's that's like a narrow focus that is just fantastic. But the Discord's for a more broader uh, community of the game, so it's just like, hey, let's all talk about everything about it, and while still showing the love to the Canon project, because yeah, they kept the game alive for longer than TSR. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like a lot of the uh, classic Marvel Forever uh, forum group people have showed up there as well. Yeah. Uh, and I was fairly active in the forums there for a little while, but it's nice to see a couple of those names popping up that are not a part yeah. of the unofficial canon project. So I think all of the families are starting to come together, which yeah. is nice. Discord really has opened up a lot of avenues for people, and they're realizing it's a quick avenue to get answers to chat with other people to range games mm -hmm. uh there's places that you can place files in there you can easily search for them yeah. I, I honestly want to say that the classic uh marvel forever forum format while it served its purpose for its time 
is a dead format. I'm sorry. You can hate me for that folks out there, but I do think forums are very dead format. Mm -hmm. It's, was great for its time it helped people right. connect with one another but now it's things like discord and even i'm starting to see that facebook while it served its purpose for the canon pro on canon project excuse me uh it's starting to get a little outdated as well and it's hard to find mm -hmm. things sometimes uh, even yeah. on facebook right and yeah. it's getting so ab ridden now too which really yeah. frustrates me yeah discord is like almost the next evolution of the old yahoo groups yeah, yeah. If you, if you take what the Yahoo groups were, modernize it, throw in some voice and video chat <laughs> that it lacked, Discord, because it's its own private community that you can run however you see fit, and it has all the file sharing features and everything and has the interaction with that. And you can just hunt down Discords for the niche you like. You know what's sad is that Google has the exact same setup for all these elements, but they've never pulled it together. They True. have Google Groups, Google Sites, and Google Hangouts, and they never pulled those three together to do something like this, and they just basically let everything just die out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of Google when it's like, hey, we just make all of our money from search engines, and all this stuff is just more fun projects we do on the side that eventually we're going to lose interest in and close. Sup, Google yeah. Plus? One of my friends in, in, in my IT field used to say Google's like an ADHD child, just – Wow, that's cool. Oh, well, that's even better over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'm waiting that's for how the kind of stadia. Oh, it's don't worry. Happen. That's that's dead. That's it was dead on arrival, but someone just said needs to take it out back and finish it off. Now you've noticed some of you regular fans out there noticed that Keith is not with us this week. Uh, obviously, he was unable to make another show, and he did regret to, to inform everybody that he's not going to be uh joining the show for quite some time work has changed his hours he's unable to attend the podcast he does regret so he misses everybody and he will be back as soon as his work changes his hours back but as soon as that's done in the meantime it'll be me and matt and probably a guest host maybe we'll have chris come back every once in a while if you'd like to you know if he doesn't like want to run out of the room after he's done with the show <laughs> yeah whatever but as yeah, long as my work permits you, you can yeah. count me in yeah absolutely yeah. Let's see. John yep. has a question for us. Here. Yeah, Discord does work on PC, John. That's actually what I use on my computer. I have the Discord app just yeah. running in the background. It keeps all your uh, groups updated and your servers. It's fantastic. Yeah, don't use the web version of it because it just gives you total static. It'll cut out on you. Get the download it and just keep it in the background and use it. We know yep. what you meant, Captain Frost. <laughs> Anyway, let's get on to the show. So the main topic of today's show is going to be talking about, if you may remember this old supplement, uh, I passed it over way back in the day. Yes, Matt has the actual copy of it in oh, his hand. look at that. Screw yeah. you, Matt. And $4, an baby. $4, half price <laughs> books, 1993. So the New York, New York supplement for uh, – Marvel accessories, I wanted to call it. official game accessories. MHAC yep. uh, came out. When did that come out? 80. I had the oh. date written down. Oh, yeah. That's way too small. <sighs> way. I love how it's so small. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. 85. 85. Yeah, it's so a pretty early release. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the early releases. I passed it over thinking it was just another TSR module. And and if anybody's listened to any of the former podcasts that I've done with Matt, RFI, for example, or whatever else we decided to do, I hate modules. I hate reading modules because they are so 
boring. But this obviously was not a module, so it was a kind of a yep. piece together your own adventure. Yeah, this is pretty much a the campaign setting prequel to the uh, deluxe campaign box set. That's what that this I, is. That I did pick up. I have that. Yeah. That's what I thought you were referencing at first. I'm like, is he talking about the deluxe box set? Nope. The base, the, this is the basic setting for it. And the main, it's, there's two books of it. One is just the, all the characters. Everyone you didn't get in the base set that's in Marvel, New York, it's it. They're in there. So from that standpoint, it's great. But then the other section involves random encounters and how do you integrate those into your game? Because if you think about it, how often is like in a comic book, Spider-Man's just swinging the city and sees random mugging or kitty up in a tree or whatever. And th this accessory is all about setting up those type of games or just those type of random encounters, working those into your game. So with this, it is, and it's not all combat random encounters. One of the types of daily encounters is daily life. Like I remember reading through one of the things you could come is you see Captain America running down the street. Mm -hmm. Why is he running down the street? You don't know. Do you stop him? Do you just let him run his way? And then it ends up, he's just out for a jog and you get karma. If you decide to start jogging with Captain America. <laughs> karma for just jogging with him yes if you or you will lose karma if you interrupt his jog so yeah and then encounter four made me chuckle because it's appropriately cincinnati a mother and her baby gorilla have escaped and need to be rescued from the outside world so mm -hmm. i mean and old sick man stuck in an ancient elevator this is all stuff you're not going to have a big story around but it's the things that spider-man would run into or your random street level heroes would run into i kind of equate this to the group part of the group didn't show up everybody still wanted to play so you're like hey let me do a couple <laughs> side adventure type things that's exactly. right yeah. And, and that that is definitely something that I used this book for very early on because I started playing the game back in about 84, 85. Mm -hmm. And I was pretty young and didn't quite have a grasp on really how to do things the right way. But this was a good primer, I think, for me as a young GM to kind of get the, get the ball rolling. Um, and I did use this on occasion because a lot of times it was just me and one other dude. <laughs> a lot of times that would be yeah. playing. And so these were really good kind of jump starters for little small campaigns and that's kind of what i used a lot of these for was just kind of a jumping on point so that it would actually lead us into a little bit of a bigger adventure which i think really even though these are random encounters i think it's probably better used for that type of format um because i i don't know how you guys are when you're running a game a lot of times you kind of have a, a pretty solid plot of you know what's going to happen and so forth and to try to work something like one of these into something that's already happening a little difficult uh, at times but i have used several of those as just kind of like a little element that kind of leads you into yeah. the bigger story yeah and this wheel actually also lets you adjust the type of encounters you can get based on like the power level of the group so that way Captain America and the rest of the Avengers aren't running into 
little Katie got lost in the park and you need to find her. <laughs> They're dealing with bigger things because it goes from everything from just like your petty crime, robbery, burglary, burglaries, vendettas to rampaging <laughs> catastrophes and like crime, organized crime stuff. So it runs the gamut and it scales depending upon the power of your group. And again, just like Chris said, these are all great seeds. I've used them where if like the players in my campaign are kind of lost or we need to kill like, hey, instead of fast forwarding a few days, like something happened. Now they're waiting for something else to happen that won't be for a few days. I'll throw in something from here to keep the game moving. And then I've even had like the NPCs they meet from these actually become main characters. Like there's one in here that was there's a broken down car. And it happens to be a broken down car of a photographer. If you help them out, they'll take you some publicity photos to help <laughs> you help your popularity. And my characters, my players ran with that. Next thing you know, one of them's getting engaged to the photographer and they're like getting on billboards and crap. Wow. From a little random. Well, the, when I ran my game and it was basically the, these characters trying to stop. Red Skull and uh, Hate Monger from Raising Cthulhu. Uh, they, I started them off and they did something with Craven and rescued a bunch of animals. So they had PETA ended up throwing a ball in their honor, honor for saving all these animals. It, at which point they decided to call themselves the Urban Rangers and be like the eco <laughs> superhero group and had like a parade through Central Park. And that's where they met this photographer because like as they were going down the street, they saw the broken down car. <laughs> have you ever used encounter seven the ghost story because that looks like an entire campaign set in itself almost yes and that's the thing with some of these some of these are especially when you get into the higher level ones mm -hmm. they're campaigns yeah the, the mystery of a restless spirit yeah that is a campaign i mean i could see just any street level new york like here's for hire could be hired to investigate this ghost story I mean, so basically, this is is a little seeds, and you can plot, yeah. plan, and or yeah, okay, it's pretty much what I thought. So, yeah. what are the basic mechanics for determining the rank, the rank of random encounters, and how you use that wheel? Because I've never actually seen the wheel. Okay, basically, the wheel actually serves two purposes. It actually has the resol the combat resolution chart right here. So, it right now it's on good, and you can just spin it to every rank, mm -hmm. and it actually has what the the different green yellow and red successes are and, and it gives also, you the lowest number in each of those ranks right right it gives you the range Can't and, gives you the full range. and then oh yeah and then okay. over here it has right the uh encounters so it has your green yellow and red encounters on that and you basically roll a d10 and that'll determine what type of encounter you have and then when determining helps if I might there. That's so, better. Yeah. You, yeah. As opposed to high being all cocked. Uh, you start with good. And then in the module, it actually has a bunch of different modifiers. So like if a, a hero has at least one rank above incredible, you go up to excellent. Okay. okay. If one rank above amazing, add one. And this is cumulative. And uh -huh. you just keep shifting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you, you just keep shifting. Uh, if you have over 200 karma points, it's a shift right. Less than 20 karma, shift left. And you go through <coughs> each of these, and whatever rank you end up on is where you roll your random encounter. So you can go all the way up if you have enough to, sh like, shift X. Oh, jeez. So that would, so your green, your basic encounters are going to be vendettas. Villains trying to get at you or catastrophes and then or, or organized crime is a 10. So and, and kids and, at home that are watching right now, this is top of the line 1985 technology that he's using right here. Yes. Two pieces of cardboard tied together with a little thumbtack thing. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seems like a lot of games took made use of wheels like that because DC had its own wheel as well for uh, yeah. third edition using the uh, the power. I think that was second edition, actually, uh, for using figure out how to resolve combat. And this is a, a random encounter one. So it's pretty nifty. Right. Yeah. And this entire mod supplement is just can either be campaign seeds if you get into some of the higher level ones or just nice little one shots, because if you even think about the story arcs of the comics, how they used to be before it was six issues, graphic novel, six issues, graphic novel. It was you would have a two or three story uh, issue story arc and then maybe just like a filler issue doing something really off to the side. that's not connected to anything just mm -hmm. because it makes an interesting story. And that's what this is. This I'll is tell you interesting where stories. I'll tell you where I got the most use out of this book was at lunchtime in high school. Because <laughs> you could run a really quick 35, 40 minute adventure with one other person sitting at the lunchroom table uh, straight out of that book. Okay, why did my grid pop off? <laughs> yes, this is what happens when you use DSLRs as digital cameras. I oh, <laughs> Matt. Yes, I got to do it. Okay. Now he's completely off. There we go. Good job. Just gotta get that grid off. Yeah, just leave it. It's fine. Oh, Steve. Stephen Watson in the chat just said that changes in rank will eliminate some encounters. If yes. I remember right, in that book, though, I think that, that there was a, a guideline very early on in the book that told you how to rank up uh, each of those little adventures. So you could do column shift things for uh, some of the ac actions and activities and the powers and so forth of the NPCs, I think, that were in those encounters if you wanted to just try to rank them up. <laughs> Tech yeah. issues. Throwback Tech to issues. RFI, baby. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But yeah, that's pretty much this supplement. And uh, have we used it in our games? Obviously, I have not. Let me just get back to the screen here of us, as opposed to the book. Uh, I have not used this at all because I didn't take a second glance at it. Now, using this going forward, I probably would use this because I like the actual seeds of this, but it's something that I would use for my campaigns as a jumping point somewhere. Yeah. If I sense... See, I'm a very reactionary... I call myself reactionary DM or reactionary dungeon master or whatever you want to call it, game master. I present the situation to the players, let them react to it, and then I react to them from it. That's how all of my games have gone. If you listen to anything I've done at RollHigherDie.com, all the actual plays, that's how everything I do is reactionary, on-the-fly reactionary. I have a basic outline of things I want to cover during the adventure, 
and I include them as the campaign goes on. Now, if I notice a lull somewhere, I'll throw in these ideas that I have written on like random crazy old man ideas on a little notepad I have during mm-hmm. work. I'd sit there and be like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, Steven's character finds this. Matt's character finds that, you know, something like that. And if I sense a lull, like people kind of doing like, uh, I'll be like, boom, all of a sudden the, the building shakes and this guy attacks and boom, everybody jumps to life. I kind of do those things. Mm-hmm. So I've never used this. Obviously, you and Matt have. So let's go to Matt's various changing screen. Well, we'll give him a chance to do that. So, Chris, <laughs> we'll go to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it really is kind of it feels like a side quest, you know, to a video game you know, that is kind of an open sandbox. Uh, and, I, you know, as I've aged as a GM, you know, I, I have definitely become a lot more freeform in my storytelling. You know, I definitely have a, a plot, especially when it comes to Marvel stuff, because you really do have to have pretty much, you know, kind of a solid idea of where you're going with uh, with those stories. Yeah. But as you said, you have to be a reactionary GM. I, th- I think especially in this day and age with people that are used to, you know, doing stuff like side quests and in, in video games and so forth, they want to, they see something shiny, they want to go to it. Yeah. Uh, and this book, I think, is a perfect opportunity to be able to just really quick, just pull something and run with it. Now, I will say, it's very dated. It feels like 1985. Yeah. <laughs> so you certainly would have to kind of take that with a grain of salt and then update it for your own personal campaign. But there's there's a lot of decent seeds there for sure. Yeah, it's like when I used it, I used it either in situations where the players in game weren't doing anything. And yeah. they were yeah. they were either kind of lost or just biding their time so i'm like okay let's throw in this for filler just to make the world see flesh it out make it seem realer because there's going to even if they're not being proactive things are going to be happening around them whether or not they choose to interact that's up to them so i i mostly use it for that and then i like i said i like using like the daily encounters the daily life ones because those are kind of the interesting and those bring out that marvel feel it because even all the superheroes aren't superheroes 24 seven, there's the mundane going on as well. And I like having that in my Marvel campaign. Mm-hmm. And I also kind of run it kind of like it is the eighties. So, because that's also, <laughs> that's also the frame of reference. My players have, they're the eighties Marvel guys, not the nineties or two thousands or current day. They don't know that they know like the eighties too. Sure. I, so, so I'm like, let's just run with that. And just go full on cheesy 80 superhero. So this actually fits the vibe of the games I run. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, it's a great little, Hey, I want to run an adventure, just kill a couple hours. There's slew of ideas that can be used in this. So it's definitely worth the pickup. And it also in the folds of it have some building maps as well. So those are always fun because like, those are handy. Yeah, the Museum of Science and Nat- Natural History, just some random, some of the buildings that are actually on the map, it has the interior of. So if you lay out all your maps for the city, it actually has some of the little bar, the uh, restaurants and bars and everything. So drop yeah. it down just a little bit. There yeah. You go. <laughs> yeah. There. So, but just with all of that, I mean, it just, again, adds a little more flavor. Because I'm the guy that when I lay out, I actually use all the maps and I lay them out all connected on the table. 
So the players see the full city and all the little restaurants and bodegas and shops and pawn shops and hospitals and all that. And I try to integrate all of that into my game again to make the world seem realer. And when they can visualize that, they might even start like when I ran my game. Everyone that had a job worked at one of those buildings on the map. One of them was a nurse at the hospital that's on the map. Another worked at the bookstore that was on the map. So, and then this just adds to that because now you have more neighbors and citizens that just living their lives to introduce. Hmm. So you got it at half price books for four bucks, four <laughs> bucks. Yeah. Four bucks. Uh, it was on sale. Uh, October 1993. Oh, they say you can't find anything at half price books for that cheap anymore. Now everything's like hundreds of dollars inside the glass case. Yes, everything's a collectible or yeah. no one's selling their RPG stuff. That's the biggest thing. It's just there's no new real product coming in like there used to be. Well, you can get Vampire and all the White Wolf stuff pretty much every half price books you go to. That's not even here. True. We really? don't even have that. We get no, we got Warhammer. Everyone dumped their Warhammer. <laughs> yeah. But the one thing to hear every half price books, there is uh, Old White Wolf and D&D 4th Edition. We don't even have 4th Edition. Wow. It's hmm. like barren. I mean, we'll get some real random third party stuff. But hmm. yeah, like the base stuff doesn't stay on the shelf much. Pathfinder, I've been seeing quite a bit of it. Wow, people yeah. are dumping that, but yeah. <clears throat> so to wrap this segment up, do you think random encounters enhance your campaign or detract from the campaign, Matt? Oh, I think they enhance. I mean, it it avoids that. It gives you the side quest like you would have in video games nowadays with your big open world. <laughs> so these random encounters are basically your side quests that make the world real because other things are going on besides the main story. And I think introducing them into the game helps make your world seem realer. Hey Rick, uh, he's saying half price books is no longer a seller friendly environment for hasn't been for a decade. Oh yeah. They basically, you're going to get about maybe 30% of what they they're going to sell it for. That's kind of the going rate. Yeah, I've dropped off a bunch of stuff there, and I gave you like fifty bucks. I'm like, really? It's like three hundred dollars worth of stuff. Oh, we have right. to resell it, and make a profit, right? <laughs> Basically, the way I look at it is: remember when you used to get the fifty percent off coupons for one item? They're still making money on that one item, so oh, that yeah. tells you how much they're actually selling it for. They're actually buying it for. Yeah, if they're making money at fifty percent off, they're probably buying it twenty five thirty. John makes a good point here in the chat that by saying that uh, random accountants counters make good warmups for each session. Yeah. Yeah. I can even see using this as a session zero to like introduce players. If they've never played Marvel before, use something out of this. Mm -hmm. You made, you made your characters and Hey, let's just get through something real quick just to get a feel for how the game works. That's what that's great. for. This is great for two. I like random encounters, but I do way too much stuff on the fly and have my own random crazy notes. So I guess this, my crazy notes are the same thing. So yeah. yeah. And I think, helps. you know, a lot of times I find a, a book like this that has preset random encounters. 
a lot of times if you do end up throwing something like that in, you've got to be prepared to follow up on that thing because there's always going to be a player or two that gets it in their mind that, oh, my God, this is important. This has mm -hmm. got to mean something, and we've got to follow this track. And it takes them so far off track yeah. <laughs> that you've got to be able to improvise and then build off of that one little teeny tiny side encounter that meant nothing to your campaign that you were just wanting to fill a little bit of time. And then all of a sudden, it just becomes the main focus for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where if you can take that random encounter and somehow spin it back into the main story and be, have them be related somehow, mm -hmm. that, that's kind of the And that's thing. great. That that makes a really good GM right there that can tie all that stuff together and say, yeah, I meant to do that from the very beginning. Right. It's like I'm notorious as the players sit around discussing what they think's going on. I will gladly steal their idea if it's better than mine. And then now, And now that's the story, and they feel smart because they figured it out. And they don't well, know. yeah, the, the best part of DMing is just doing this yeah. and listening to the group and being yeah. like, what if it's this, right, Mr. DM? And you're like, I didn't even think that. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> yes. And just exactly. take their ideas. That's I've done that so many times. Just let the group discuss. I stay quiet and I steal any idea I think is amazing. So, yeah. And let them think uh, it was uh, they figured it out the whole time. Always in the cards. Right. Always in the cards. Yeah. All right. So let's move on here. We're going to talk a, bit, a little bit about some articles that we gathered that you could probably run in your campaign or maybe uh, a storyline. And I know, Chris, you said you wanted to speak before we grab the articles up here about your experiences running storylines in the MCU type environment. Yeah, actually. I mean, that was one thing that you had kind of brought up in, in the notes, you know, about a week ago when we were kind of talking about things to discuss. And one of them was, you know, trying to run something in the actual MCU. And very early on in the process, I, I decided somehow I wanted to tie into the MCU. And I had a group of core players that were on board with the idea. And we created characters that we felt would work within, you know, those constructs. And it was after uh, the, the Battle of New York uh, when they were, you know, fighting off the, uh, the alien hordes and, and Loki was flying in the air and so forth. So we took this a couple of months after uh, the first Avengers film, basically, and, and started it there. Uh, and I was actually running it pretty much in conjunction with the movies as they were coming out over those coming years. So as each movie popped in, I tried to bring elements of those films into the game. But we were filling in the blanks. And the way I did it, and when Avengers hit, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. had just kind of started uh, not too long after that. So I used Agent Coulson as kind of my jumping on point for the characters. And uh, he approached them, which the majority of my players decided they wanted to be police officers in New York City. So he was using them as basically his kind of, you know, uh, feet on the street you know, so that he could kind of keep tabs of what was going on in New York uh, while he was underground with S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, at that point. So we ran the gamut from the end of Avengers all the way up to just before Thor Ragnarok. Uh, and what started out as a street level campaign where they met, you know, the, the Netflix uh, characters, you know, Daredevil and Luke Cage and so forth ended up 
throwing them into Asgard and meeting Angela, uh, Thor's sister, you know, from the books, which I then tied into the, the uh, movie continuity. But it gave me the opportunity to kind of create my movie versions of all of these C and D list characters that we had not seen yet until that point. Uh, and the best part about it was, is we got to a point where we were coinciding with civil war and one of the characters as a cop blew his secret identity. Whoops. And, and we ended up doing a three episode long courtroom drama. <laughs> uh, and we had, what? yep, we had Matt Murdock and we had Jennifer Walters before she actually has become She-Hulk oh. uh, as the two lawyers. And uh, it was great. I mean, I we just did solid role playing for those three sessions and didn't roll a single die during that whole time. It was all courtroom that. drama. It was, it oh, was really cool. awesome. Yeah, I love but, that. Not touching a die for episodes upon episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it was great because, you know, a lot of the guys that I was playing with pretty much all they knew was the MCU. You know, a lot of them weren't comic book readers. So it gave them an opportunity to go, oh, that happened in the movies. OK, so this is happening at the same time. So we stayed completely within the continuity of the films. And, and it really made it exciting, I think, for the whole group. Yeah, I'd like to see the, the 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 spark of them going. Wow! Oh, this is in the movie, so I'm kind of living it to, kind of through the character. That yeah, I like. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That's fun. Good job on that. I like that idea. That's a great idea. Yeah, and I'd like to get back into doing that at some point in the near future. Uh, so uh, eventually, I'll probably you know uh, dabble back into the MCU at some point because it was a lot of fun. Aren't you running a, a Marvel campaign right now? Yeah, as a matter of fact, it's it's funny. Uh, when we talked about doing this, it just so happened uh, that the podcast that I'm working on, which is called uh, Dream Slayer Studios RPG Podcast, literally just today we uploaded our first three live plays of our Marvel uh, superheroes role-playing game just today. Uh, and I've been putting them up on YouTube again under Dream Slayer Studios. You can find it there. Uh, but this is a group of old, and I do mean old, high school buddies of mine. My original group of, of players uh, from back in the day, back in the late 80s. And we're coming together from all across the U.S. and Mexico to rekindle the old RPG passion. Uh, and, uh, so that just opened up on iTunes. It's on Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you can get a podcast. Uh, our campaign can be found there and on YouTube under dream slayer studios. I will put those two links that you have given me previously in the show notes for the audio version of this podcast. So people listening at home can go over to the website and click on the links. Uh, I just threw them into the chat for the YouTube folks so they can take a look right now as, as we're chatting about it. So if you have anything else you want to tell us about it, please feel free. Oh, yeah. Well, for those of you out there that uh, that don't know me, uh, some of you know me as uh, DJ ZP Tyner, but <laughs> that's just from this podcast. Uh, I've been working with the unofficial Canon project for the last couple of years, uh, and um, you guys have been really kind to mention some of the other projects that I've worked on You know, for the unofficial Canon project. Uh, but I'm the guy that did the Secret Wars compendiums from the 2015 stories, which consist of, I think, about six books now. 
uh, focusing on the different sections of Battle World. And at some point, I'm planning on revisiting those to expand on that reality a little bit more in the future. But I also wrote the One Shots Decades book, uh, the Small Party Campaign book entitled Street Wars, that my son, who was seven years old at the time, that was his first adventure. And the guys in the group just said, you know, you ought to write just a campaign around that. So I, I took their advice. Um, but right now I'm getting ready to work on another uh, piece, I think uh, starting in April, that is going to be based off of Daredevil's uh, Shadowland storyline. Uh, and I'm going to kind of expand on that and basically kind of write a sequel to it uh, that'll be set in Hell's Kitchen, Kyoto, and Madripoor. So lots of ninjas. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's get on with what we have here for the first thing we're going to chat about. Uh, so we have the first article here is, well, it's really small yet again, but well, we'll try to make that a little bit bigger. I don't know why it's, it just won't work today, but <laughs> whatever. Y'all can see it. That's all that matters. They made it even worse, so wonderful. Anyway, 10 MCU storylines that were dropped randomly. The first one, number 10, was the Iron Man ripoffs. Remember the uh, scene in Iron Man 2 when they had the footage of uh, Iron Man duplicating the, the armor with disastrous results is one of the time the fans don't talk about. What do you guys think about... There were several attempts in Marvel Comics to defeat Iron Man by building other Iron Man-like suits. Yeah. Well, I think I, they're gonna, they're going to answer this question here within the next two years because uh, they've got Armor Wars coming out on mm -hmm. Disney Plus. So maybe we might see some of the seeds in uh, in Iron Man two and Iron Man three really come to fruition in Armor Wars with uh, with Rhodey. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that's because between all the drone uh, the iron man drones and everything else that they ha have at their disposal they haven't really fully used yeah we're going to see a lot of armored suits running around because pretty much at one point it seems like everyone has been in an armored suit mm -hmm. and then they got the riri williams uh, iron heart show too that's going to be coming yeah. out as well so yeah we're going to see a lot more of that kind of stuff i think all right so number... John, John just said the same thing. Ironheart's coming to Disney Plus as well. Yeah. <laughs> I had a couple things about Thanos becoming a pop culture icon. In 2012, his first appearance was in Avengers film. Prompted curiosity from those unfamiliar with comics. In the post credit scene, Thanos' aide, the other, warns some of the Avengers, saying that to challenge them is, the, is to court death. This refers to Thanos's motivation to woo the personification of death in the comics, which is why he wiped out half the universe. However, this did not end up being Thanos's motivation in Infinity War and Endgame as his motivations were to bring balance to the universe. What do you guys think about that? I think that was an Easter egg, don't you think, Matt? <laughs> yeah, that that's kind of one of those like, hey, the comic book nerds will get us. Everyone yeah. else will just go right over their head. Never really intended to play it off because they already We've, they've already told that exact story in the comic books. That's what the original right. Infinity Gauntlet that was all about. And Infinity War is in the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, but not, but tweaked for the movies. So, yeah, we're never going back to that because I don't see them be, being interested in talking about death and all of the other godlike characters in Marvel at that level. Exactly. 
So this is one of the ones that I thought would be a really good idea for a campaign with the end of Iron Man 3 with all the different armors and everything like that. I thought that'd be a great campaign for a villain to come up with all these different armors like this and just wreak havoc all over saying that he stole the technology from Tony Stark and you as you know the heroes have to save the day somehow and try to figure out how he did this. I often wonder why they completely dropped this. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't know if that had something to do with Shane Black, because he was involved in writing that particular one. I don't know what the relationship was with uh, with him as a director, because we we've never seen him come back to any of the any of the projects. Um, Now, not it's going to sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but I got to meet Shane Black uh, and had lunch with him. He's an amazing dude uh, and incredibly profane. <laughs> uh, there wasn't five seconds that passed without an F-bomb being dro- dropped during the lunch that I had with him. But he was he was so interesting to, to talk to. But when I met him, it was before he ever got the contract to do uh, Iron Man 3. Uh, so at that point, you know, he had written some of the uh, Lethal Weapon films and, uh, uh, oh, God, what was he, he did the other one with Robert Downey. I'm, it's, I'm blanking on it. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. I just got it. Um, but as I, I, I and I'm probably really speaking out of school, I wonder if it was a personality thing that we that we never really got to see anything more of what he had really kind of come up with, you know, for that particular storyline. They just kind of abandoned it. Yeah. And also if you think about by then they knew had plans for the greater MCU introducing all these characters so they can eventually get to infinity war. So at that point, do you want to take your precious screen space and throw in all these armored characters when that people aren't as invested in telling this story when you have about 5,000 characters, you need to get on the screen, need to get movies out. So you could have this big blow off. There's probably just like, it's a derailed side quest. I mean, that's no. Well, Mark is saying, I would like to suggest that one of the reasons they dropped the idea of the armor was because of the age of uh, the idea for the age of Ultron. Yeah. Uh, And that's true too. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. I just think it would have been, even a great storyline to follow up with with another Iron Man movie, to be honest. I, I it just dropped it completely. I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then, yeah. boom, he came back and it was just like, well, what happened to all the... All right, yeah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a typical thing, typical thing for them to do. Yeah. All right, so we have Hulk's reluctance. Obviously, we know that story of how he didn't want to help the Avengers out. He wouldn't... You know, he Bruce Banner wouldn't change and everything. Eh... I didn't really think there was much you can really do with that storyline. Yeah, it's like that's more like a TV episode. Hey, let's try to recruit the Hulk back to join the team. You're not going to get a movie out of that. Yeah. And at that, yeah, Hulk's just there to smash things. And if he's not smashing things, is nobody that, cares. Right. <laughs> uh, the White Wolf, incredible movie, one of the in the Black Panther. Uh, set up uh, for, uh, let's see, in the cross Henry Sebastian stands, Bucky Barnes awakens in Wakanda with Shuriki walking him back. So they basically change things up as we move forward. Uh, why they did that, I have no idea. Yeah. 
Well, and obviously they're going to really explore that character quite a bit more, you know, with Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which starts tonight. And as soon as I get done with this, I'm watching that. Yeah. Um, but isn't there a Wakandan character named White Wolf as well? I believe so. Because I feel like I even saw something recently with the Wakanda TV series that they're going to be doing that they're going to drop that character in. Oh, they're doing a TV series too? Oh, yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. White Wolf is a character uh, in Wakanda, uh, courtesy of the MarvelFandom.com wiki. There you uh, go. Yeah. His parents died in a plane crash in the African nation of Mohanda, just on the border of Wakanda. And you can tell where the story's going from there. <laughs> plane crashes in exotic land and gets raised by the locals. Mm-hmm. That is White Wolf. So they probably just like, hey, we got this name, but let's <laughs> instead of going with that cliche origin, let's actually try to work it into the existing to modernize it and use an existing character and actor that we already have established and have him fill that role instead. Yep. So we're Mark, conning. Mark is saying Falcon and the Winter Soldier, good episode without spoilers. They touch on it. So okay. no, that's good. Cool. Good to know. I uh, look forward to watching that this weekend. I was going to watch it today, but I got distracted by the Snyder cut. So, <laughs> and, oh. and, of, and of course, that's four effing hours long. So, I mean, that took up most of my day while working in between everything. I'd be like, okay, okay, okay. Oh, damn. I got to do this right now. Hold on. Pause. <laughs> so, it took me the entire day to watch a four hour movie just because I had to see it because I'm such a DC nut. So, yeah. And it, it was, I will say this, you know, without spoilers, it was a, a nine times better film. He, he went out of much better. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Take your Sinister. word for it. <laughs> yeah. Sinister six. I would have liked to seen a movie come out of the Sinister six or anything come out of the Sinister six. I don't know why they didn't bother moving forward with that. And I know there were lots of plans to bring like the vulture character in during the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man era which fell through with Sam Raimi because I guess they didn't want to pay for it or they didn't like the way the concept was set up for Spider-Man. Cause it would have been four, right? Yeah. Spider-Man four. Yeah. So hmm. on the whole Sony deal with the sinister six is, is it's that stuff's going to be tied up just constantly, uh, you know, unless they just give up on Spider-Man altogether. We may never see a Sinister Six movie. You know, we may right. see an iteration of it, but yeah, it's 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 not going to happen. I think. I'm, yeah, you know. yeah. It's like at this point, any license that is not owned entirely, the rights aren't entirely owned by Disney. They're not that interested in having other people make their movies. They would they would rather ice the characters to an extent. They can't fully pull a Fantastic Four with Spider Man. But you know they're going to like drag their feet and not go full behind a Sony movie. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's a Disney movie, yeah, mm-hmm. it's just like when the Fantastic they decide to ice the entire Fantastic Four, no merch, no anything, because until Sony gave up the rights, right? So that, yeah, that's when they canceled the comics. They wouldn't let WizKids make hero clicks of the Fantastic Four. No action figures. <laughs> no anything. Those characters <laughs> were deceased. Did not exist. Until Sony gave up the rights. Mark is saying we might. What did they say here? We might see it after Venom 2, but I think they only have Keaton for what, for what another film, not counting more Morbius. 
Yeah, from oh. one other one other yeah. film, I think. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Number four, Bullseye. We got teased to this, and we never saw anything of it. What are you going to do? The show got canceled, so yeah. they had to throw away the fourth season. Obviously, we probably would have seen something to do with it, but what are you going to do? And and I think they're still really pussyfooting around uh, whether or not that Daredevil is actually canon. So, it, you know, it may they may rewrite all of that. So, yeah, I hope they don't. I hope that I don't understand that they said the Punisher is supposed to be coming over. Uh, Daredevil is supposed to be coming over. Jessica Jones. I hope they don't like just reboot the entire thing. Give it like a soft reboot or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to see like starting all over again. It's just like, oh, come on, just say like it happened. And here we're starting the story a few years later or something. Just yeah. Like, don't yeah. restart it. I'm tired of restarts. Yeah. Yeah. We don't need to see Spider-Man, you know, Ben Parker die for the 900th time or, you know, him find his suit dancing around town for the 10th time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, that was just. Never mind. Now, they can completely reboot Iron Fist as far as I'm concerned. That's that's fine. I'd be OK yeah. with that because <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> We did talk about that in the last episode, how they were planning on making it comic accurate, and we were kind of like, eh, I don't know if that's going to work. That yeah, but the, the whole Kun Lun thing, I think, is what they really didn't do much with in the series. And if they really go that route with it, mixing that with what they're going to be doing with uh, Master of Kung Fu, I think that they've got something there. Uh, because you can tie that into Doctor Strange and the realms of magic and all of that sort of yeah. stuff. So I, I've got hope for that as a possibility. Yeah. All right. The the Scovio Accords. I don't remember this at all, to be honest. Uh, it was just something that went right over my head. And I don't. Anybody uh, have comments about this? Yeah, that was a main plot point of my MCU adventure that I ran was the Sokovia Accords. Oh, and, it, and okay. that's that's what actually led to these guys being brought to the courtroom in the first place, was yeah. because it was basically these were the documents that said you have to register as a superhero, and you know give up your identity and so forth. And and so that was the key uh, that, that started our whole adventure off. So yes, I would have, but I feel like they answered this. I didn't read this part of this article. Uh, I feel like they answered it. They covered it, you know, and it was civil war. Yeah. It just never came back and people felt it, it could have been explored a little bit. Yeah. More. I mean, yeah. If you wanted, but <laughs> for what they're doing at the MCU, that just bought it. It bogs it down and, to not fun stuff. They need more superheroes smashing supervillains and explosions and things. Yes. More big booms. Yes. <laughs> Matt's camera went out again. Uh, <laughs> oh, Thor- and Mark Geary on that uh, uh, Iron Fist bit, he said, go with Orson Rand. Mark, I am with you, dude. That That is a great character. Yes, he said, go with Orson Rand. Correct. Okay. Cool. Just don't do Born Again and Daredevil again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So we have Thor's journey after Age of Ultron. Basically, that was absolutely dropped. Uh, it, it could have been explored a little bit more, but obviously they dropped that. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Eh. <laughs> Is it really that interesting? I mean, it's, it's a thing, something you could flesh out, but is it worth a movie? No. No. No not no 
And then we have finally the leader, the leader that we totally got nothing about. And he has been cast in the She-Hulk uh, TV series. Oh, so they are they are following up with that. Great. Yep. Yeah. As well as uh, um, what's his name that played Abomination. He's going to be in it as well. Okay. Oh, good. I was I was wondering what happened with that. I remember we were talking about that years ago. And we're like, that'd be a cool storyline if they just continued it. But, mm -hmm. but now so they you, are. So you got right. the theater guy now on the podcast. So I, I read all of this stuff about the casting stuff yeah. for all of these shows. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned next week as Chris comes back as permanent co-host. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just so we can have the inside scoop going forward. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so moving along, there are no plans for anything to be rated R going forward with the MCU, apart from Deadpool 3, they're reporting. Obviously, my take on this entire thing is it should stay that way. There is no need for any of the Marvel movies it, under Disney's banner, obviously, to be rated R. Right. They, they, even... I don't even think the Punisher was rated R on Netflix, was it? I don't really think it was. I think it was maybe high PG thirteen. Yeah, it was anything. like PG fourteen. Right. Yeah, I would um, agree with that. Yeah, there, and I mean, the only way to get like the the Punisher would be an R is if you go to Garth Ennis score. Oh, and I would love to see that. <laughs> so if you went, if you you would have to go heavy gore, heavy drugs. Then, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to go heavy drugs and heavy nudity to get the R. Right. I mean, and Disney is never going to approve that for Marvel. And I don't even think Marvel at this point would. Yeah, it, it's not necessary. All it does mm -hmm. is limit their audience. It's like, and the only reason Deadpool is, is because he's such a parody of a superhero that mm -hmm. it's a parody of the Marvel movie. So therefore it has to be over the top, the gore, the, obs the obscenities, the nudity, everything. It's everything that every other Marvel movie is not. Yeah. Yeah, but you, and, you, you'd expect that from a Deadpool movie, so... Yeah. Right. And Mark said they dropped the F-bomb in The Punisher twice, but as as far as the MPAA goes, you can drop an F-bomb in a PG-13 one time and mm -hmm. still get a PG-13 rating, yeah. so... It, it used to, didn't it used to be one F-bomb get you R? Yeah. Nope. Well, like, before PG-13 came out? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't. And then some movies, in order to avoid the G, started dropping S bombs <laughs> just to get bumped up to like a PG. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you you get some interesting things with some of the more uh, family friendly movies that don't that want to avoid the G because they don't want to be seen as kids movies by like I think it was like a sister act dropped an S bomb just to get mm -hmm. like a PG. No, jeez, mm -hmm. I know you can I. From what I've read, you can see women topless in PG-13 movies as long as it's a quick glance at them. Mm -hmm. So yeah. PG-13 has come a long way since it came out. Yeah. I don't understand how that's PG-13, but I guess I don't I don't run the standards and it's up to the parent to determine what their child should watch anyway. So exactly. it wasn't wasn't Weird Science one of the first PG-13 films? And I think there were boobs in that. Was PG? I think that was. I thought that was R, actually. Was it R? I'll look that real up. But yeah, yeah. I think it was. Oh, if it was, my mom's rolling over in her grave right now because I wasn't supposed to be able to see that film. <laughs> yeah, because let's see. I don't know. Yeah, it's a PG. No, it hmm, doesn't actually say. Hmm. It doesn't. Some people say it's, it should be an R movie. Other people say it's PG 13, but I don't know. Hmm. Huh. Oh yeah, it's rated PG thirteen officially. You're right. Oh, yeah. there you go. 
Yeah, eighty-four to ninety is where that when they yeah they add in eighty-four is when they added PG thirteen because there are complaints about Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Gremlins, yep. which both were PG, but they said due to the gore should have been PG something more than PG, but not R. So mm -hmm. that's why PG thirteen exists. That's right. Hmm. So, yeah. I don't think any of the MCU should go rated R. There's no need for it. Uh, they're family-friendly movies. They've done exceptionally well staying in the PG, PG-13 realm area mm -hmm. all these years. Why change the format now? Sure, a one-off like Deadpool 3, that's yeah. fine. Because mm -hmm. you expect that from Deadpool. Right. And but. I mean, if you, if you even think about their comics, how many of their comics are actually even fall under the mature, mature line in general? Yeah, not many at all. They had the max line for like a brief run in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. And that was about it. Everything else going back Punisher in the 80s, PG-13. It was yeah. always that. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm comfortable with them keeping it, you know, at PG-13. I would watch the hell out of a uh, Garth Ennis Punisher movie, though. Yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt. Yeah. And I wouldn't turn away from, you know, some other concepts, you know, if they're done right. Like, uh, like if DC it, did Vertigo, that would be yeah. R. You would need mm -hmm. to do that as an R if you did the Vertigo line. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, Marvel like you like you that. said, Vince, you don't need it. I mean, the the stories are good enough on their own, and it appeals to a wide audience of of a wide array of ages. So there's no sense in in making something R when it doesn't have to be. Yeah, no point. In it. I mean. I think most of the DC movies were ours and I, they, because of what they did in their movies, I understand it. And I think they should have went a PG 13 route, but what are you going to do? Yeah. Anyway. So the final article we have is X-Men reboot officially in the works under the name, the mutants. This is the rumor going around and this is an absolute absurd rumor. And I don't know if you guys took a, <clears throat> had a chance to read this article fully. It's based on a rumor that a guy heard from another guy that they're not using the X-Men name to get some type of deal under the mutants name to rebrand it. It's just like, why would they drop a household name that people, okay, we'll say not the average person, most people that are comic booky people and people from the 90s that watch the other movies know X-Men. Why mm. would you rebrand it the mutants? That is yeah. just dumb. Right. And I can't believe that they went with this article and thought it would be a valid article to write up. And these people should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, and just in Hollywood in general, things have working titles until they come up with, with the exact title of what it's going to be. And maybe right now as they're writing this thing, they're, you know, writing the X-Men but it may be a different iteration of the X-Men than what we're familiar with. So we don't want to call it the X-Men just yet until we know for sure. And just like okay. X-Men first class, right? Mm -hmm. So it may have a separate little title, but yeah, it, this, the whole thing's blown out of proportion in my opinion. Yeah. Maybe the project was entitled the mutants because that's what it originally was titled before they got the X-Men. And they were just like, you know what? We'll just leave it under that until we finalize yeah. the deal and write the file, the script. Yeah. Kind of like how when, you know, Microsoft works on different versions of Windows, they just have like the Memphis project was, uh, what was that, uh, Windows 2000. Yeah. Remember that? Uh, <laughs> we all wanted to punch the screen when that came out. And 
they named it the Memphis Project because they didn't actually have a name for it. So maybe this is their name for it that this guy overheard another guy saying to another guy. And he's like, hey, that's what they're going to name it. So let's run with this giant article. Yeah. Because we're morons. Yeah. Blaze <laughs> and then, Walker. Yeah. And then, and then Stephen said that the uh, Mutants was the first title that Stan used before the name became X-Men. And then there's also something that in the toy industry that if you're a mutant, the decency laws were di are different so, <laughs> so yeah but well didn't like they also go on to say in this article that the mutants or the mutant or just mutant is more of a household name than x-men i'm like eh. no 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 the, no the article itself is reaching for some clicks oh for sure yeah yeah it's it, it's definitely clickbait by the eliminerity thumbs down <laughs> so yeah so let's grab some. Uh, we had some questions uh, that I had written down in our show notes. So let me bring those up so we can get those going. So Natalie, the Merchant of Death, love that name. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. From our, our Discord service, I'd like to hear something about tweaking karma rewards for different styles and tones of play. For example, if you want to run more of a soapy Claremont style game, would you reward karma for things like getting into arguments or bringing up past trauma? Alternatively, if you were doing a Rob Lightfield game, would you reward karma for collateral damage? <laughs> Great show, by the way. Still trying to figure out how to run it through Spotify when he listens, when he jogs. I, I figured I fixed that for him. We are on Spotify now officially, so you can find us on Spotify if you'd like to jog and listen to our podcast. So how would you do it? Well, you're talking to somebody for me that throws, you know, karma out like candy out of a dark van <laughs> look, <laughs> looking for children. <laughs> oh. I'm just free with that karma anyway. But I mean, I love what she said about, you know, uh, doing it, you know, as an award for, you know, really role-playing. And I think yeah. that's, that's really a key factor that I think a lot of people really don't really focus on. They just look at, okay, well, they beat this guy and, you know, he has unearthly in this particular stat. So you get a hundred karma points, but really rewarding the, the, the players for role-playing their characters. Well, I think is a really key thing that, uh, that you have to award them for, for sure. Yeah, and you have to remember this karma system, the way it's handed out for the role-playing and what the characters do is based on an 80s-style comic. So if you don't want to run 80s-style comic and you want to run the 90s anti-hero, you could start tweaking that to where, oh, you killed someone with negative karma. You gained this much karma. You And so, yeah, so if you wanted to run a... Rob Liefeld campaign. So basically you figure out what the property damage penalties are for like, Oh, you destroyed this. You lose that much. No, that's a positive. You can just start flipping <laughs> negatives and positives, depending on the type of game you want to run. So if you want that nineties, anti hero, instead of, if you kill someone instead of losing all your karma, let's double it. <laughs> Marcus saying karma bonuses for shoulder pads and leg pouches. Yes. <laughs> yes. For the Liefeld games. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, I guess you could give out various. 
I do like drama in my campaigns. Uh, my campaign, my group did a lot of bringing up past traumas and screwing each other over because they were villains. So that's what villains do. Villains never cooperate. How I got them to cooperate in a game for that long, <laughs> don't ask me how. Yeah. But towards the end of the entire thing, there were two to three characters pretty much at each other's throats. And uh, Captain Frost here in our chat, Stephen, uh, has uh, listened to those. Uh, so he can definitely attest to the, the fact that these guys were at their throats at one point and wanting to kill each other. So how I got them to stay together, I have no idea. But, yeah, I like when they argued. I like when they brought up things in the past. As villains, that's what villains do. And that's what makes them, you know, them pretty much. Yeah. So I would give extra points, 100 points here or there, or 10 points for this or that. Uh, there was one character that kept withholding information from the group because that's what he does. So hmm. he would actually get rewarded for that because that's what a villain would do with the rest of his cohorts. He would get the information that everybody needed, and he would give it out as he felt like, you know, how Lex Luthor would do it. I got all the information. And, you know, I'll kind of sprinkle it here and there, you know, something it. like that. Yeah, I mean, and that's what villains do. <laughs> and typically, if you look at when you get these massive villain supergroups together, they don't last long because they start trying to kill each other because they all want to be on top. So that would the fact that they disintegrated actually means it was a really well written game because that's what villains would do. They would disintegrate because they all have to be the alpha. Eh, they didn't want to all be the alpha, but they all did fight with each other. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, we have a question from Captain Frost. Role-playing challenges that force you to make or break commitments. Karma awards for preventing destructive crimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I, that's all kind of, you know, worked into the whole fabric of it. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to take it on a case-by-case -case basis, too, don't you? Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I, in my game, my characters, they all, we figured out what their day job was, how they made their money, and what their work schedule was. So, do you stop this crime? Do you go to work? Do you want to have a job? And, and so, we they had to work around that or cover for the fact that, why is your face all beat in right now? <laughs> oh, that type of stuff. And it's like all the stuff that like Spider-Man or it, any of your street level superheroes deal with that. I got Daredevil. I got to be in court, but I was up all night fighting crime. Crap. So, yeah. I mean, that just adds to the role playing. And yeah, absolutely throw that in. Steven is digging on me because as an on the fly DM, as you know, you have to make things up. And sometimes you just roll with ideas and forget sometimes. Well, I ran a campaign and I accidentally added mountains into Florida because <laughs> 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 I was describing the situation and I forgot that we were in the state of Florida. I'm like, yeah, if you, when you head up the mountain and the guy's like, in Florida? I'm like, oh, yeah. Yes, there's mountains in Florida. Yeah, the Everglades Mountains. You've never been there? Yeah. <laughs> but that Florida annex you. parts of Georgia. <laughs> the georgia yeah yeah that's it yeah the, the redstone yeah whatever yes stone Fine. mountain georgia go visit jake the snake and um <laughs> mark henry apparently too yeah so yeah so those are questions we got from discord now we did get an email matt you mind giving out their email address since you're the overlord of the email yes it is bullpen at classicfacerip.com 
Have we gotten any emails lately? I don't think so, right? Um, they all get forwarded to another email. That's just the placeholder. I haven't checked the squirrel mail. Oh, okay. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> seen anything, so uh, we did get an um an email from Stephen Shen uh, talking about Volume Two, Episode Eighteen. Uh, can't answer all the questions you guys raise. I have not read the article since the last century. <laughs> so one of the things that wasn't clear in the article was that this was part of a pitch that I was working on to pull a new Marvel superheroes edition together, more akin to the champions third edition with the Perez cover all within a single book. I hope to re-edit and compile all the rules into one book, tightening up the ultimate powers, the Alice TSR, wouldn't do this before they lost the license in 91 and you pronounce my name just fine thank you <laughs> so he had plans to make another edition and obviously tighten it up put it into one giant book yeah mm-hmm. to rule them all as a third edition obviously but the rules encyclopedia version of marvel they lost the license in 91 i guess they didn't want to bother putting they must have known at that point they were losing the license so they probably told him yeah. no and so Trying to think, where did the Marvel license go after that? As far as role playing, yeah, because Marvel, Marvel themselves. Remember they they had that own edition of their game. Oh yeah, the Marvel. It went went Saga. Yeah, I believe was Saga. And then there was Universe. Yeah, Saga Universe. Mm -hmm. With the little stones that you had to use. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because that was also when they around wasn't that around the same time they acquired Toy Biz. And I don't started know doing that. action figures. Yeah. Yeah, I was Quite looking a- to see if I had the universe version back there. I, I owned it for a while, but it was too convoluted. I never played it. Yeah, I've I have it on the shelf, but I think I picked it up for like two bucks at half price books. No, uh Gen Con. It was in one of those like, hey, everything in here is two dollars surplus garbage. One of those. Uh Marvel One Saga, Mark is saying. Saga, the card-based system, right after. Mm. Okay. And then mm-hmm. it was the Marvel version. Okay, so I, was, I did backwards then. But yeah, I, I, I have those books on my shelf, and I've never used them. I just thought they were nice-looking books to look at. <laughs> oh, okay. I figured out the Toy Biz thing. Marvel filed bankruptcy in the late 90s, and then the company was salvaged and merged with the toy company Toy Biz. That's where that came from. The in-house stone travesty uh, Stephen is calling. <laughs> yeah. And then the last version was Margaret Weiss. Uh, heroic, yeah. Which I did not like whatsoever. I, I, I it's too, it was too narrative free open form with everything. I, but that, I didn't care that's for that. all my Margaret Weiss RPGs though, that their whole system. It's very, cause they had like the Smallville RPG. They had a supernatural. They, but the, the, the original cortex system that was supernatural f- Serenity, Demon Hunters, Battlestar Galactica. I have all of them on my shelf. So yeah. <laughs> was a, I want to say, a clone of Savage Worlds, but just a little bit lighter. Okay. It looked and felt like a Savage Worlds. Like, hey, I want to play Savage Worlds, but I don't really want to learn Savage Worlds. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I always described it to people. You like Savage Worlds? No, you never really played it, but you heard of it? This game. <laughs> this game is just yeah. like it, just not a much of a pain in the ass to remember. That's all. But then they moved over to the more narrative stuff that you saw in Smallville and Leverage and um, yeah, well, Marvel Heroic, pretty much. 
Yeah. I didn't like those things. They were just too narrative for me. I, I don't like narrative games, and I understand people like what they like. Yeah. And some people like narrative-based games, and I don't. I like rolling dice. I like a clear dice system with rules and things like that. Yeah. Obviously, you can narrative up those things and mix and match, but I don't like just narrative-based games where you pass a stick around. No. I'm not passing yeah. a stick around. I'm not sitting by the fire <laughs> at a camp or something and telling ghost stories. Thank you. Yeah. I can do that other times in my life. But yeah. So that's all the things we have for this week. Uh, if anybody has any questions, we can take some freeform questions here for uh, the chat. We'll open oh, that yeah. up now. The Buffy system, too. Buffy. Oh, hard. no. B- Buffy was cinematic. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, Unisystem. Yeah, the Unisystem. Yeah, that was Unisystem done by uh, Eden Studios. Studios, yes, that's right. Yeah, Which had... in itself was an excellent game, too. I, yeah. I actually liked uh, Buffy for the most part. The one thing I did not like about Buffy was the GM's role was very limited as far as how they had it set up. And too many people just were like, well, the book says. I hate oh. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the, the book says as a GM, you don't have to roll. Everything's done. But if you want to roll, by all means. And everyone's yeah. just like, no, the book says you don't have to roll. So, uh, yeah. I don't think Buffy. They did. Maybe someone made a supplement for Buffy for uh, Phase Rip, but I don't. I know they did for D six, but I don't remember them making one up for Phase Rip. Now watch the, the canon projects. So you'd be like, ah, I'm gonna start doing it now. Yeah, no, it was already it. in the not, works. Not it's a spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That that I think you guys made a hard fast rule that it had to have happened in the Marvel comic line yeah. or universe somehow somewhere. Yeah. Or it had to be something published by Marvel. Uh, is really a kind of that. That's the gray area. So there are certain books that have been published by Marvel that yeah, we'll squeak them in. Yeah, like it, uh, like because. Anita Blake. <laughs> right. Yeah, Anita yeah. Blake. Mm-hmm. I remember I was a while back. I was starting to. I didn't have enough time, but I was going to do a GI Joe thing, and everyone was like, eh. "I'm like, but it technically was a Marvel title." I mean, same with Transformers and Transformers Trans- and Transformers crossed over with Spider Man during Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh oh. <laughs> because I have Transformer comics with black suit Spider Man in it. So. <laughs> So Transformers are in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, technically. So is G.I. Yeah. Joe. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. So is uh, a bunch of Alf. Alf. Alf is Alf too. was a Marvel yeah. comic. Yeah. Right, Matt, you can, Alf go supplement. you can go away with Alf now. Goodbye. <laughs> no, Mac. Uh, Rom, yes. Rom, yeah. All the Hasbro yeah. things were basically supposedly in the Marvel Universe at one point. Now they're all in DC's universe. I have no idea what's going Good. on with half the stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, but he's yeah. kind of lucky to exist at this point. <laughs> IDW, baby. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so anybody have any questions? And as we're going to head out for the night, Transformers number three with the black suit spider. Yep. There you go. That's Thank it. You, Mark. Yeah, I think Mark has said something about asking which of the original uh, adventures, I think, maybe uh, oh, were our favorites. Did we cover uh, that already? You may have already covered this, but what are the original published module adventures was your favorite? I'll have to deter to you at YouTube for that because none of them would be mine because I don't use them. What I I don't actually run the modules as they're written, but I might take a scene or a scenario in them and pull them into my game. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Same. I ran my Marvel uh, last Marvel campaign, I actually took the basic uh, starting point of the concrete jungle module where you had uh, vermin 
poison the water and cause like some rioting or whatever. And it was working with Craven and all of that. I use that as like the starting base point, but then that's where I introduced other characters are the ones that actually put, put them up to it as opposed to just going with the story is written. Mm-hmm. And that's also how my characters ended up saving the animals from Craven and getting praised by PETA and all of that <laughs> all spawned off of, I just want to use this concrete jungle thing. The, the riot caused by that. So the player started off, Oh, there's a riot happening. It's a bunch of civilians and they know they're all like drugged or something and something's not right. So they can't hurt them either, but they need to stop them. So it put them in that interesting situation where we got to stop this, but we can't actually punch people in the face. <laughs> I'd have to say time trap was my favorite. Uh, that was the Avengers uh, one with, where they were kind of jumping about time. Uh, and I actually ran that originally with my parents and my grandparents. Oh. <laughs> a, a week after I, I got it for Christmas in 1984, I think. And then uh, I read the rules and sped through that. I decided on New Year's Eve I was going to run that with my grandparents and my, and my mom and dad. And I'm sure they had no idea what in the hell was going on. <laughs> but it lit a fire for me, for sure. Uh, so that one's probably at least it holds a very special place in my heart. Cause it was, it was the adventure that kicked everything else off. Yeah. John saying M MX two the X potential from the nightmares of futures past series yeah. is his favorite yeah. to uh, use. Cause that's the one with the iron man armor in it, I believe. Cause I think I have that one on the shelf. Hmm. Uh, Stephen Watson, my friend stole Cap's iron, iconic shield. Okay. <laughs> friend stole uh, Cap's iconic shield. Okay. The, the module where the characters tried out for the Avengers. <laughs> yes. I can't remember what that was called either, but I remember oh. I remember reading that. Yeah. From Rick, yes. Oh, hi, Dana. One of my people is listening to us live right now. One of my players from our uh, live stream. Shh, shh, <laughs> don't give away secrets. She said, and the rest is history. Ah, <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, I ran Sentinel three years ago for about three. Uh, whoa, that went by my fast. I ran Sentinel series for about three years. Good series. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, Sentinel that was series? a good one. Huh. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, if you have any actual questions, uh, we'll wrap up the show here. Looks like the next show would be actually on Good Friday. So we may not do the show that week. We may push it off another week. Uh, I'll have to discuss that with Matt when we're off the air to see what we can do. I'm not sure how well. I mean, a lot of people do take Good Friday and don't. I don't. I don't want to, you know, put people in a position to want to come watch this and say they can't because it's Good Friday. You understand what I'm saying? I respect all people and their religions. So Good Friday is a very religious day. We'll see what happens. Uh, Matt and I will discuss it. I will bring an announcement like I usually do on the Discord and head over to uh, our Facebook page, Classic Facebook Podcast, and we'll put an announcement there when our next show is going to be. I appreciate everybody that has sat here and listened to us drone on for the past 90 minutes of uh the show obviously those that watch on youtube get a little extra in the beginning as we're setting up we kind of just you know talk with one another and let people get to join the show so with that said we're going to say keep it original keep it old school and we're going to head out for tonight good night everybody good night, good night.
You've been listening to the Classic Face Rip Podcast. The thoughts and opinions expressed on the podcast are not the final word and are just what they are, opinions. If you'd like to catch up on all their episodes, head on over to ClassicFaceRip.com or if you want to check out the video shows live on YouTube, go to YouTube.com slash C slash The Evil DM. Again, that's YouTube.com slash C slash The Evil DM. Email us at AskTheDM at TheEvilDM.com. Thank you.